Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter, audio cast. I'm your host, Dr. M. This is volume 13, issue number 32, corresponds with the week of July 24, 2023. So this week, we're going to look at the third part in the asthma series, mothers on perinatal health, and then a recipe. Let's get started. So the nutritional studies, part three. There's good quality data on specific parts of a diet or nutritional plan as it relates to asthma. This section, as we're going to discuss it today, details these micronutrient and macronutrient benefits and how to implement them in an overall asthma plan. We will start by looking at a list of high quality nutritional interventions and then follow with an expanded view of a few of the critical players. The best review to date on the topic of global nutrition and asthma was authored by Dr. Valerie Julia in the journal Nature Reviews Immunology, a phenomenal journal, in 2015. She gives a thorough review of the available literature. The highlights are as follows. Maternal food antigen and allergen avoidance during pregnancy or breastfeeding is not recommended. I would agree with that, with the exception of mom having celiac disease or mom having some significant reaction to a food that drives major inflammation dysfunction inside mom. Otherwise, avoiding a food with the anticipatory belief that you are going to change an outcome in the child, not a good idea. An increased diversity of food antigen exposure during the first 12 months of a child's life reduces asthma risk. Check. Probiotics can reduce the risk of asthma and allergy. Check. I look at Avivo's probiotic here to be one of the better ones. I think mothers should take it as well as children. Obesity is a direct risk factor for asthmatic disease and worsening morbidity. Check. High fat meals increase airway inflammation. Check. Supplementation of a diet with omega-3 fatty acids as fish oil or fish can be beneficial in reducing disease morbidity. Check. A diet high in whole food fiber from six months of age and on is associated with a healthier microbiome and reduced asthma risk. Fiber is consumed by the healthy gut microbes producing short-chain fatty acids that modulate innate immunity. Check. Low micronutrient status is associated with worse asthma risk and disease. Vitamins A, D, and C are necessary for functional T-regulatory cells and immune dampening tolerance. Check. Let's look at the key players. Fiber. Fiber is probably, in my mind, the most important ingredient of a wholesome diet and behind the reductions of inflammation and asthma burden in the DASH diet and the Mediterranean diet. We know that historically, humans consume considerably more amounts of fiber or volumes of fiber in past generations compared to current times owing to the flood of low-fiber, refined-carbohydrate foods in society today. Fiber plays a critical role in bowel health as a stool-bulking agent, food source for intestinal bacteria, an immune modulator, and maintaining a healthier metabolism. The data on fiber and disease burden reduction is strong and covers diseases from colon cancer to cardiovascular disease and asthma. There are two major forms of fiber, soluble and insoluble, based on their ability to dissolve in water. Soluble, by definition, would be a fiber that dissolves in water, while insoluble fiber will not. Both forms of fiber are beneficial and should be a large part of the daily diet. Fiber is found primarily in whole fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, seeds, and nuts. The soluble fiber type is the form found in the standard American diet. Processed foods that claim to be higher in fiber are not. The bacteria-promoting insoluble fiber type is found in whole vegetables and fruits. 
increasing the volume of these whole foods and removing low fiber refined carbohydrates from the diet will pay dividends for allergic and asthmatic patients across the board. The Mediterranean diet is loaded with fiber and this diet pattern reduces asthma symptoms in children. Blue zone diets are also fiber dense and are correlated with longevity and reduced disease. The hard science asthma dampening effect appears to be based on the fact that fiber feeds the intestinal gut microbiota, which in turn reduces short chain fatty acids that are immune modulating towards a tolerant and calm state of activity. They specifically alter the function of the immune cells called dendritic cells to a less inflammatory type. So for me, grab some apples, beans, broccoli, avocado, berries, and feed your gut bacteria while dampening the inflammatory and irritated immune systems reactions by avoiding American standard processed, refined carbohydrate-based foods. What about antioxidants in asthma? Antioxidants are a class of chemicals found primarily in high volumes in stressed plants as a defense mechanism against their predation. When we consume these foods, we presume that we garner the benefits of their function in our body. For our purposes, the definition of an antioxidant is a chemical that inhibits the damage to our cells from natural oxidation events that occur in the body during cellular metabolism inflammation, or infectious killing events. Essentially, they cool down inflammation post-infectious or disease activity at the cellular level. The scholarly research data to date on this effect as it relates to asthma amelioration are very mixed and not inspiring. Vitamins A, C, and E are the principal antioxidants and chemicals involved in immune function and many other pathways. According to one large meta-analysis, their insufficiencies associated with worse asthma lung function and wheezing in asthma populations. The mechanism of action is plausible for vitamin A acting as a cofactor for correct innate immune function and immune dampening via T-regulator cell function. Vitamin C has a mechanism of action as a reducing agent to clear oxygen radicals and reduce oxidative damage to tissues. It has also been associated with reduced exercise-induced bronchospasm. Vitamin E has the ability to bind up overloaded oxidative chemicals that are triggered by air pollution, which in turn is known to worsen asthma. The balance point for antioxidants is important as they are critical for cellular-induced pathogen killing when an infection is taking root in our lung tissue or another location. Taking too many supplemental antioxidants can paradoxically worsen asthma as infections are a major exacerbant of reactive airway issues. Mechanistically, this would occur when pathogen killing is weak because too many vitamins are potentially blunting the natural oxidation radical killing mechanisms of our immune system. Food sources of vitamin A are dairy, fish, liver, red, orange, and green vegetables like carrots, sweet potatoes, and green leafy spinach, or peppers. Vitamin C is found primarily in citrus foods like oranges and grapefruits, but also in peppers. Other good sources include brassica vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts, as well as leafy greens and peppers. Vitamin E food sources are nuts, nut butters, seeds, certain fish, avocados, and fortified foods like cereals. For me, there are no good quality studies to warrant the use of high-dose supplemental antioxidant vitamins in order to ameliorate asthma. However, I think that it is prudent to consume a lot of antioxidant foods based on the mechanistic pathways of immune function, even in the absence of quality data to support their consumption. In my mind, the only potential downside to antioxidant consumption would be the megadose vitamins where infection killing is needed via the reactive oxygen species pathways as discussed above. In all of my reading, I cannot find a downside to the consumption of whole foods that are loaded with antioxidants as 
a part of a high-quality diet. The references, of which there are many, are in the Salisbury Pediatric Associate website and the newsletter linked to this article, Asthma and the Nutrition Studies Part 3. When we think about, just briefly, an aside, the antioxidant role in cleaning up reactive oxygen species that are DNA damaging in high volume inside cells, mostly made by mitochondria, we think about it from the perspective of many things promote excessive amounts of ROS, or reactive oxygen species formation, including exogenously ingested chemicals like smoke, toxins, drugs, as well as inflammatory food. But we also naturally make a lot of the ROSs during day-to-day cellular metabolism in this mitochondria, by intense exercise or the need to kill microbes. Reactive oxygen species are chemically reactive molecules that have unpaired electrons. In the normal state, most electrons are paired off to keep them stable in the oxygen molecule. When they have an unpaired electron, they are unstable, dangerous, and looking for electrons to steal. Imagine an amoral single gentleman being invited to a couple's party. He may meander around the crowd and doesn't really care with whom he hooks up as long as he does in the end. In the cellular world, the unpaired electron will attack any cell, stealing its electron, causing stress and damage, like the analogy. Cells suffer DNA damage and protein dysfunction, which in turn causes the cell to not perform properly or flat out die. Antioxidants in this situation are your best friend watching your amoral guest meander around the party, eyeing your wife or your wife's friend, and once he sees true intent is causing damage, he grabs this guy by the arm and goes brutally on him, taking him out of circulation. Vitamin C is an antioxidant that is necessary to regenerate the cleaning capacity of vitamin E via a chemical called glutathione. Maintaining adequate volumes of vitamin C, vitamin E, and glutathione are all critical. That's it for the asthma story this week. Let's move on to section two, mothers and perinatal death. Maternal mortality ratios continue to climb based on recent study data. This is incredibly problematical for a society with the means to make this issue a non-issue. What are the direct causes of death? According to the CDC, we see 14.5% cardiovascular disease, 14.3% infection or sepsis, 12% cardiomyopathy, 12% hemorrhage, 11% thrombotic pulmonary or other types of embolism, 6% hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, and 6% amniotic fluid embolism, 6% cerebrovascular accidents, and then 0.2% anesthesia complications, and then 11% other. Of these disorders, a very large percentage of them are modifiable through diet, exercise, and social determinant of need mitigation measures. We need a concerted effort to provide a national program aimed at providing all pregnant women healthy food, education on nutrition, chemical avoidance, drug avoidance, stress mitigation, access to meaningful health care that is prevention-focused and guided by the whole person principle, spoken about an upcoming podcast with Dr. Jacqueline Paykel. The podcast that was launched a few weeks ago with Dr. Richard Johnson also speaks to the effects of fructose metabolism and human health. His recent publication, Hypertension Research, has opened the door to understanding the effects of fructose or fruit sugar in pregnancy. What he is showing is not good. We have to get ahead of the diet conundrum in the United States as our perinatal health statistics are abysmal for a rich, developed nation such as ours. Okay, section three. This week's recipe is quick and easy spicy chicken noodles by Dr. Mark Allison. This is some really good stuff here. Loaded, loaded, loaded with all kinds of high quality nutrients and has fiber in large volume. So again, 
get a look at this from the website and click on the link, see Mark Allison's uh, recipe, try it out and see what you think. Don't have to like everything, but boy, these are good. Um, the question of the week is, do you exercise at least four days a week? I hope you do, because exercise is thoroughly important for human health and especially for sugar metabolism. Song of the week, Feed the Tree by Belly. It's a good one. It's an oldie from the 90s. Hope you have a great day, all. Remember, hug those kids. The information provided in this audio-casted newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or health care professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. It absolutely does not constitute the formation of a provider and or a patient relationship. Have a great day.